Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode and continuing our series where I am introducing you to the speakers that I have invited to speak at the Free the Dream Conference this September, September 7th, 8th, and 9th in Franklin, Tennessee. And as I've said many times during the series, there I, I, I'm very blessed to have been very well connected in my industry and in my niche, personal development, professional development, entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, all of this online business crazy world, this awesomeness that we live in. I've, I've been so blessed to be so connected. And I will tell you, when I launched this conference, when I, when I started talking about the conference, the number of people who said, Cliff, I would love to speak at your event. And the reality is, is that it's only a two and a half day event. So I can't say yes to everyone. And it was the first time I've ever actually had to say no to some of my closest friends. But I am super excited to tell you that the person I'm about ready to introduce you to, PJ Jonas, is somebody that did not get a no. And I'm going to I'm going to have a conversation with PJ right now. And by the end of this episode, you'll know exactly why she actually got one of those coveted spots to stand on the stage at Free the Dream to share her message with you. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted to welcome PJ to the show right now. PJ, how are you today? I am doing awesome, Cliff. Thanks so much for having me today. You know, um, I have. how long have we known each other now? It's been at least five or six years, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's been more like seven or eight, though. <laughs> wow, time flies when we have fun. So, PJ, the, I know for a fact there's a lot of folks in my community. I've unfortunately not talked about you a lot lately. I used to talk about you all the time, but um, I haven't talked about you in a lot a lot lately. So, folks coming to Free the Dream or thinking about coming to Free the Dream, they they see your photo on there and they may not know who you are. And so, I want to give folks a, an a background of who PJ Jonas is and and the amount of experience that you have in living the dream or at least pursuing the dream and and living the dream as you step out into these new areas where you feel called to step out and i would i guess to start off with um you have not always been a self-employed business owner you were a stay-at-home mom with a few children yeah, just a few. I, I definitely don't have your typical background entrepreneur story. Um, I started out, I got my engineering degree. So I'm an engineer by trade and worked in corporate America for about three years. And then my first daughter was born. And I decided quickly, I wanted nothing to do with corporate America anymore. And so I made a massive life change with my husband and became a stay at home mom. And my first daughter was followed by seven more children. So I am a, I'm currently a homeschooling mom of eight children. A homeschooling mom of eight children. And so after your first child, uh, you decided to be that stay-at-home mom. And did you guys homeschool right out of the gate? 
Yeah, we did. That was our, our intention from the very beginning was just to, to never put them in school. And, you know, really just thought that um, we could do a better job, you know, really kind of teaching them to their individual strengths and giving them opportunities that they just couldn't have otherwise. Gotcha. And when you decided to stay home, what, what was Jim doing? What, what occupation did he have? He was teaching. He was teaching junior high science. So that was, that was where he was at with a whole bunch of other kids during the day. So how did your family of, well, gosh, family of 10, which is just shocking to think of, how did a family of 10 survive on a teacher salary? Well, I, we were very, very frugal. Um, we lived so far below our means and put everything that we had toward paying off student loans, towards paying off the mortgage. Um, we grew all our own food and we just really, really watched every penny we spent. So just out of the necessity, you, you chose to do things that would, would, would be a cost savings to you. Now, I, there's, there's something that's very important that came up in, in your story that led to some awesome opportunity. What came first, the goats or the soap? Yeah, so the, the goats came first. So I had started learning about uh, healthy living. I started learning about all the horrible things that were in our food supply. And so I was I was doing different things. You know, I was growing our own vegetables and, and getting milk from, you know, a, a local farm. And um, I really wanted to start raising our own goats. And um, the reason I, I, I wanted to was kind of twofold. One, because I wanted the healthy raw milk for the children, but I also wanted them to have that practical work experience. You know, nothing comes, you, you don't learn nearly how it is to hard work if, as if you're taking care of live animals that are going to die if you don't go out there and take care of them. So that was, it was kind of both that we, we got into to raising dairy goats. It was not something we'd ever really intended ahead of time to ever turn into any kind of money-making in, endeavor. Right. So you, you have these goats and mostly for the two purposes is to, to have healthy milk for the family and also for the added benefit of responsi- teaching responsibility and caring for these animals and, and stuff like that. So when, how did the idea for the soap come about? So it was actually, I, I had all the children, it was actually seven at the time, I had them in the bathtub and they were just playing around splashing. And I, for whatever reason, looked at the, the bottle of the baby wash I'd always used and looked at the ingredients. And I was shocked that it was full of all of these chemicals. And I was like, that's it, forget this, I'm never buying this stuff again, I'm going to learn how to make my own soap. And so when I, when I looked online for some soap recipes, they all called for water. And I was like, ah, water, that's so boring. <laughs> Let's put the goat milk in. We'll see, you know, you always heard those stories about Cleopatra using a, taking a milk bath and whatnot. I was like, I'll just put the goat milk in. We'll see what happens. And when I made the soap and put it in the shower, Jim, who's my husband, his fingertips stopped cracking and splitting. And that had been a problem he'd had for years and years. And I was like, wow, this is, this is actually really good. I can actually do something with this. And so, I mean, what did it take? I mean, tell me about the process of the research. What, how did you learn how to make this soap out of, of goat milk? Well, so this was back, um, you know, this was about 13 years ago. So right now, like if you go and, and Google goat milk soap, you can find all sorts of information, tutorials, YouTube, it's, you know, it's everywhere now, but back then it really wasn't. And so it was a lot of sort of kind of my engineering degree was helpful. I mean, it didn't teach me how to make soap, but it kind of gave me the mindset, you know, to get a notebook and start testing different variables. And well, what happens if I put more goat milk in? Well, what happens if I put less goat milk in? And what happens if I change this oil and all those sort of different variables? Um, so really, you know, perfected the recipe 
recipe over about two, three years before we actually started selling it. And how did that come about? I mean, were you, I know you were making it for your family and you were working on this. Were you giving a lot of this stuff away to other people to test? Were they asking you about it? Was it just coming up in conversation? How did the word get out? Okay, so so this was kind of a... Um, one of those things where you have a, a tragedy happen to you and God uses it for something better. But so as you mentioned, we were, you know, single income, family of 10, living on a very, very tight budget. And we went to visit my parents and um, got gas. And it turns out we drive a diesel vehicle called a Sprinter. And it turns out there was gasoline in the diesel pump and it destroyed the engine. Um, and it was like a, it wasn't an instant repair that kept going on and on over several months. And so the final bill was $9,000, which was huge for us. And I had just bought a bunch of ingredients to make soap for our family for about a year. And I thought, well, you know, I've got all this soap. Let me, let me try and sell a few bars, see if I can kind of make some grocery money. And the response was incredible. And within about two, three weeks, I knew that this was something that, that we had an opportunity that, you know, that we had to take advantage of and, and really see what we could, could make of it. Who purchased, who gave you the first sale of soap? How did that come about? Okay. So I, um, my, my children are really incredible and I had no idea at the time, but we, they're kind of like natural born salesmen. I mean, they're all really, really good at it. And so we would go, we would take the soap everywhere with us. And I think the first one may have actually been at the grocery store because we had, like, I always had the grocery cart and I had, you know, all eight children with me and I had kids in front, kids in behind, and the kids in front would be talking to people in front of the line, the people behind. And I think one of them was actually how they sold their first bar of soap. Nice. And what other things did you do to sell it? Okay, so I knew that I wanted to be an internet-based business, right? I had, you know, I was homeschooling. I had eight small children. At the time, they were only aged like six months to 10. And I knew that that was kind of the model I wanted. So I taught myself how to, how to program and I put up my own website um, because back then they didn't have all these nice easy ones they have now. I had to actually learn to code back then. And so I put up this website and, um, you know, it's not a matter of you put the website up and people magically start shopping at your website. You have to actually figure out how to get people to go to your website. So what we did was we started going to local craft fairs and festivals. And we would set up, we would, um, you know, we would bring our, uh, our tables and our soaps and our cash register. And um, actually we had money belts back then. And we would sell. But more importantly, I got uh, um, people's email addresses because I wanted to be able to contact them and push them back to the website. So we gave everybody who walked by, we gave them free soap samples with our contact information. And that was the massive thing we did because back then, like right now, a lot of people know about goat milk soap, but back then nobody ever even heard of it. And so that was how we kind of got the the information out there to get people back to the website. And, and it, I want to make sure that people did not gloss over what you just said. The value that one of the most important things I think you did in those early days at these fairs is you collected email addresses. So did you, so was that uh, in exchange for the, for the free samples that you gave out? No, no, we gave out, I mean, thousands of free samples. We've got, I've got like over 50,000 some odd people on my mailing list right now, I think. Um, and so it was, we, I've never, I know I should, like, if you look at this, listen, to all the, you know, the internet gurus, you're supposed to give something in exchange for a newsletter sign up, but I don't, people just sign up voluntarily. So, so at the, at the fairs, they signed up saying, you know, yeah, get, contact me. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, you know, and it helps to have a lot of cute children running around oh, <laughs> talking <yes>. about soap. <laughs> So, okay. So you start selling this stuff at these fairs uh, after you've programmed your website. People are coming to your website. You're starting to make some income. Um, how, how long, like from that first, say, from the time the thing broke down, you have this 9000 or 10000 was it $9,000 repair? Yep, $9,000. $9,000 repair. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, we've got to do something. Maybe we can even try selling some soap. And how long from the decision, maybe we should try seeing if we can sell some of this soap before you got to a place where, number one, you were able to pay off, or let's just say generate as much as $9,000, which was what it would have taken to, to pay for that repair for at least. Yeah, so the the vehicle was broken in January. It was repaired probably by like mm, like May of 2008. Um, and then we started selling in like June, July of 2008. And by the beginning of 2009, so less than a year, we were having trouble keeping up with the demand. Um, by the end of 2009, so just at about a year point, my husband was on full time. Um, and that was that was kind of the scariest point because it was, everything was, wow, we have something successful here. This is really working, really working well, but it didn't quite make enough for us to live on. Um, and so it was a real, uh, moment of truth. It was a real leap of faith to have him pull off so we could devote more time toward growing the business and, uh, and do it full time. So it was, he was, he was on in about, I think it was about 15 months. He was on the business full time and that was our sole source of income. So the business with Jim still doing his teaching job and just you and the children working on on this. Was Jim working outside of his teaching job helping in this business at that time? Yeah, so yeah, so actually when we moved to Indiana, he left teaching and became a garbage man. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So he'd been teaching while while the um the first half of the children were born and then the second half he was he had switched to being a garbage man. And so that was all he was doing and then helping with goat milk stuff. So before he went full time into goat milk stuff, how many hours were you working on the goat milk stuff, and how many hours was he working on the goat milk stuff? Um, so uh, that's such a hard thing to say. So probably, you know, now you remember. I mean, I had I had eight little children, so there was quite a lot to that. We had a farm, a small farm homestead. We had all the goats, all the other animals. So if you went towards just the farm life, that was probably a good thirty. 40 hours. And then if you went towards just the, the soap business, that was probably another 40 to 50 hours. For you? Or for me. And, yeah, and, and for what me. about, and Jim having the, doing the garbage truck job, uh, how, how much, how many hours was he working at that time? Just the goat, goat soap stuff? Yeah, probably, probably another 30 to 40 after, after his full-time job. Gotcha. So, so basically both of you working full-time hours, the two of you working full-time hours towards this business, and it's not quite making enough to actually support the family, but yet you took this leap of faith for him to leave the only other source of income so that you could both put more hours into the business. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah it kind of sounds a little crazy when you say it that way, but yeah, that's how it worked out. It, it, well, I don't think it is crazy personally. I mean, I, I I built my business in 2008 by working an insane number of hours and all of those other things, and 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 
I, I think I could have probably saved myself a lot of time, effort, and energy if I knew then the things that I know today. In fact, l- let me ask you of that. Of course. Let me, let me ask you that. Knowing everything PJ Jonas knows today, if you could be, if you could go back and spend a week and teach yourself back in those first 12 to 15 months, a week's worth of insight and information and, and things that you know today, how much more successful financially do you think your business could have been and with more margin in your life as far as number of hours spent at doing the business? Yeah, you know, a lot of it at the beginning was still a lot of trial and error and figuring out what the customers wanted. Um, So, you know, if I had a magic crystal ball and could go back and tell myself, I would have saved, you know, let's not go down this product line. Let's stick with this product line. Um, But... I definitely would have known more of what, uh, where the biggest bang for my buck was, where, you know, where the highest ROI was. Um, we really didn't do any advertising. And I think I probably would have tried that a little bit more at the beginning, because I think we probably could have, um, you know, as I said, we, nobody knew what goat milk soap was back then. And so we were very much educating our customer. And I think if I had gone back and educated, you know, at a higher number rather than just we could what we could reach you know at craft fairs or with with our newsletter that kind of thing I would have grown faster but it was really lovely way to do it because even though we were working that many hours we were working with the children yeah and so and so we weren't as efficient because we were working with the children and we were training the children and they were learning alongside us and, and whatnot. So I really don't think a whole lot would have changed had we done it, you know, and I had the children been 10 years older, then it would have been a yeah. very different ball game. But with them being so young, um, there was a lot of side by side learning going on. Yeah. I, I, I love that answer. And, I, and it, it does remind me about the importance of, um, the trial and error, the, the things that you, the, the success that you have today are, is largely based upon the failures that you had early on, the things that you tried that didn't work and the distinctions you've made about, well, okay, we tried that. Let's try something different until you finally did discover the things that did work. And, and, and sometimes that, that can't be, the, the value of that can't be underestimated. Exactly. So, um, so 15 months into this, Jim decides to, to leave the day job. Now, uh, you've got a business that's just, it's, it's not quite, I mean, it's, it's got promise. You have faith. Uh, Jim's now full time. Well, and he's already working full time hours. So, so he goes from working 30 to 40 hours a week as a part time guy. And, and now that how many hours did he move up to in the business now that like total number of hours, Jim Jonas, how many hours is he working now that he no longer has a job outside of this? At the beginning, probably about 70 or 80, those first two years. So our strategy those first two years was, like I said, we wanted the website up. That was our strategy. And so because we didn't have any extra money for advertising, it was all getting in front of people. And so what we did was those first two years, um, I think we did 30 craft shows in 2009 and over 50 in 2010. And so that was where most of it was going was to not only manufacturing the products, taking care of all the animals, but getting to these craft shows and spending just hours and hours in front of people. Yeah. And, and why, I, I love this story because 
I mean, to hear 70 to 80 hours per week invested in this business for about two years. I, I mean, PJ, you don't have to answer any question that I ask you that you don't want to ask, but how was your marriage back then? I mean, was was this stressful for you guys? Did, you, did this cause tension between the two of you or was the fact that you were working together all of a sudden bringing you closer because you, you were partners in this thing? Yeah, we never had any problems. The two of us complement each other really well. We we pretty much very early on, you know, figured my role, his role. We didn't, you know, neither of us wanted each other's role. We both have have different things that we have strengths in. And so, um, and because neither one of us, I mean, okay, yes, you could say that I started it, but neither one of us was the expert, right? It, you know, everything was, well, you know, you want to try this? Sure, let's try that. You want to try this? Uh, let's, nah, let's not try that right now. Um, and we were... We weren't trying to, to boss each other around or anything like that. And and don't underestimate the fact that we were teaching the children, right? Because when yes. you're teaching the children, you're you're setting the role model. And it, you know, if you're it, one of the main goals was to teach the children how to be entrepreneurs and how to how to work together. And if you're sitting there bickering and fighting and, and miserable trying to do this together, that's not exactly making <laughs> entrepreneurship look very attractive. Absolutely. So, okay, I love all of this. Uh, the next place I want to go, oh, I just had it just a second ago, but I got so caught up in your answer. Uh, bear with me one second. Okay, so the 80 hours per week. Um, to do, oh, I know what it was. I want to know when did the blog come in? So I, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I, when I first met you, because uh, you had hired me as a podcast consultant to come down and help you teach, teach you how to podcast. But when, when I met you, you were already, I would say, a, an extremely successful blogger. Um, and I don't know if you'd like that term, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I thought about you when I first met you. I would have considered you to be a very successful lifestyle blogger who happened to actually have a very profitable business that you had built. When I describe you that way, and that's my first impression of meeting you, how, how do you respond to that description? That is what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> that's how I, I do. You know, when I, when I started, that's exactly what, um, what I wanted to be doing. And goat milk stuff has grown so fast and they need me so much, you know, in the day-to-day running of the business that I've had to stop um, podcasting. I've had to stop blogging because, you know, when you're growing quickly, um, while it's great that you're growing quickly, I'm not, I'm not putting that down. It's also incredibly stressful, incredibly time, uh, has huge time requirements and has huge money requirements. So there's not a lot of time to do other things. And so, um, it was, it was hard for me to put blogging aside because I do make a difference in people's lives. And I love that. I love being able to share what I've learned, share what God has taught me with others and, you know, and help them, uh, help them enjoy their lives more. And so that is my goal is to get back to that as soon as I can. Uh, my children right now are aged almost 11. She'll be 11 next week, 11 to 21. And my oldest is married. And so I've told the children that they have until the youngest turns 18. So it's basically seven more years. And then I'm done working in goat milk stuff. And I just want to blog and podcast and speak <laughs> and just, and just enjoy that for, for the rest of, of my, uh, quote work 
working career, if you call that, which I don't really consider it a working career. I just consider it my life. Yeah, I totally get it. So, but, but I, and I totally get that. And I understand that for you, the blogging and the podcasting, that's been put on hold. I, before we hit record, you said, you know, hey, I, I plan to take about two years off on the podcast, but now it's been four. And I'm wanting to, you know, thinking about getting back into the game. I hope you don't mind that I shared that, right? No, not oh, at all. Okay. It's one more motivation to make it happen. There you go. So, but the thing is, is, is that when I did meet you, though, you were actively vlogging or not vlogging. Yes. Well, yes, vlogging even. Well, I, we had some YouTube videos, yeah. but it wasn't, they weren't really intentional. The YouTube videos were mostly just for me recording the children. Yeah, but it, I mean, the, the thing is, is you had, you had your website, which had a blog element. You were creating written posts. You were creating posts sharing what life, like a behind the scenes look into the lives of the Jonas family. That's, that, that's yeah. kind of what I, I mean, because I perused your content for a while. I followed you very closely uh, after working with you and we've become very close friends friends over the years and you were even in the next or no, no remember what was it the podcast mastermind that I had yeah. several mm-hmm. years ago and yep. so you were a part of that for a great period of time as well but so back then you were blogging I would love to know in the when did the blog come into existence I mean how what you you talked about coding your website, but when did the actual blog and adding the YouTube channel and and giving people a, a picture of what life looked like on the farm for the Jonas family, this family who works together, uh, these this family of ten that works together to make this goat milk soap? When did that get introduced into the mix? Yeah, so that actually happened um, before goat milk soap started. So I started blogging in two thousand and seven. Um, and that was again, just sharing, you know, how I was teaching the children how to garden, how we were te- cause we had the goats at that point, teaching them about raising the goats and what we did with the milk and all of those sorts of things, family rules, um, general parenting stuff. So 2007 was when I started that. And like I said, goat milk stuff didn't really start till mid 2008. So it was a full year. And I think I started podcasting in 2009. So how much do you think that now I have my own opinion of about what I believe how much of the the fact that you created all that content has added to your success but I'd like to before I give my thoughts or opinions or even if I do how how much how much credence do you give to that archive of content and the things that you shared to give people that behind the scenes look into the Jonas family how much of that do you think added to the success of your business I think it does. I think it does a lot. I think that, you know, I have always been willing to share everything that we, you know, that we do. I've not ever hidden everything that I've been willing to put stuff out there. Um, And so I think that that you know, I, I try, I, I work very hard to being authentic, right? What you see when, when you read about PJ and, the, and, and her life and the family's life is, is what we are, right? I don't have a, a public persona and a private persona. Um, and so I think that that built, the fact that all that was out there built, a, you know, and it wasn't with that intention, but that it built a level of trust that I think otherwise would have been very hard for me to have, have built after I started a business. Yeah. I And for me, what I think that, I mean, it, I definitely agree that it added that level of trust, but it also added a level of uh, relatability, uh, even if people couldn't relate to having, you know, eight children. Uh, and even if people couldn't relate to having an entire farm where you have to get up at, you know, the 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 crack of dawn or even before uh, to, to care for all these animals and, and all, even if people couldn't. Re- but the fact is, is that 
there was some deep connection on a human level that intrigued people. Well, forget about it. I'm not going to just assume for other people that intrigued me. I mean, I, I became a customer of goat milk stuff and it wasn't because you hired me. I felt connected. It's like, wow, this family inspires me. And, and how, how could I, I mean, I'm going to buy soap somewhere, right? (laughs) <laughs> how and and it, and I will tell you it it wasn't the it wasn't the transaction of you hiring me to teach you how to podcast that that drew me into buying goat milk stuff because I can tell you there's a lot of people who have lots of different occupations that have hired me over the years and I didn't become their customers afterwards. But when I, but when I when I actually did take time to look at this content that you were creating, and I per, I watched several different videos, and I'm sitting there watching your sons and daughters milking goats and 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 having the these cute smiles and 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 laughing and playing as a family. It's like oh my gosh, this is so aspirational and inspir- I feel motivated and connected, and and by the by golly, I know I'm going to buy soap somewhere. I'm might as well buy soap that supports this because I love this. And well, my, thank you. My my guess is that there are a lot of, especially your early on, but even today, I bet you there's a lot of uh, of your customers who still go back and see some of that content that's still there today, and that's yeah. that's what actually drives them to buy from you and and keeps them loyal customers. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We've been, um, I've been Facebook living quite intensively for the past year or so. And, uh, I get a lot of that kind of feedback, but you know, one of the things I always, I always tell people is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have one child, no children, eight children, we all are, feel so overwhelmed, right? (laughs) Like most people would say that, that they're overwhelmed. There's too much to do. They can never get it done. And, you know, I just, my main goal is to help with all that content is to just tell people that, yeah, there's always going to be stuff to do, but you can still have fun while you're doing it and doing it with the ones that you love. So that makes me very happy that, that you enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I, I, again, I I know some people are more comfortable with sharing things. All I, I, would you be, and I can edit this out afterwards if you're not comfortable. Would you be comfortable with me saying that today financially you guys are doing extremely well. Yes, you can say that. <laughs> okay. So so extremely well. Beyond I mean going back to those let's just say the first when Jim left his his outside job and he first went in full time when it was just barely able I mean it wasn't quite supporting the family. But then he made that decision that leap of faith in your wildest imagination. Could you have ever thought back then that you would be generating the amount of income that you have today? No, never in a million years could I have ever foreseen this coming. You know, I, I, I was telling, I'm trying, you know, I've, I've always tried to raise the children with the numbers of the business, right? Because like I said, I want them to, to be entrepreneurs. I want them to take over this business if that's their desire. And so they've been involved and seen the numbers and whatnot, you know, and the fact that we spend twice as much on our credit card, you know, buying all the stuff for the business that we ever made in a year, you know, every month is just, it blows my mind, just the, the scale of the numbers, how different they are now than they were when the children were little. 
when was did, did you have some adjustments to make like in your mind when it when the mon- when things really started to take off and you, there began to be more financial margin than than you knew to be comfortable with yeah, you know, I, I always say that things are a lot simpler when I was broke, right? When when you you didn't have the decisions because it's it's the dis- once you start to get successful, you have all these decisions that you have to make with what to do with the money. Do you put it back into the business? Do you you know give people raises? Do you put it towards retirement? Do you build another building? Do you get more goats? You know, how big is big enough? Um, and so. That's that's been some of the the hardest part and some of the biggest stress is feeling with that. And so we were really just just we're sticking with the soap. Um, and then back in about 2014, 2015, the children who were now teenagers, like older teenagers, were saying that, no, we really want to work this business for the rest of our lives. We you know, we don't want to leave. We don't want other jobs. We want to inherit it. And so we had to, to make the decision whether or not to expand into food products with the goat milk. And uh, because they were all saying that, we did. And that was kind of like starting a whole new business all over again. And so that was... Um, that was that was a difficult time because you know if you're I say it's like doubling down if you're a, a blackjack <laughs> you know where you're putting everything all at risk doing it all over again to kind of get to the next level but it was the the children's future and I knew at that point that they were gonna you know they were gonna work hard enough to do whatever it took for that part of the business to succeed so um, so yeah it's it, it's been hard having 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 more money it's not been easier yeah. Um, another question for you, and you're one of the I, I've I've worked with probably about five different people over the years who have hired. I think it's called a publicist. Is that am I saying is that the right term? Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. So I would love to hear at what point and in, in what stage in your entrepreneurial journey did you hire a publicist for the first time, and what was that like, and what did it do for you? Okay, so we were doing, I mentioned we were doing craft shows. We were at a craft show one time and this, it was put on by the baseball team and the baseball moms were coming around giving out donuts. And of course, my kids just totally swarmed the woman with the donuts. And so she was asking them all sorts of questions. The children were answering. And she later came over to me and um, she said to me, oh my gosh, I have got to interview you. And it turns out she was um, the anchor woman on our local news station. And so that was our first ever uh, public or television interview. And what we realized after that went live and we got a whole bunch of orders and whatnot was that, you know, this was successful or it was, it had a positive ROI, I should say. And so we still, we were just about breaking even at this point and we had the decision. We said, okay, well that really worked well. Do we put money into advertising or do we try and get more, you know, more more television interviews. And so I didn't know anything about, about hiring a publicist. Um, I just, uh, I, I contact a couple people randomly and they pretty much all said the same thing. And then, um, I talked to this one guy and he said, and he, and I told him the, the story and he said, okay, send me a bar of soap. And I thought, wow, okay, it's a great way to get a free bar of soap. But so I sent him the bar of soap and he came back and said, okay, I can work with this. Um, and so that was kind of how we made the decision to go with him. And it was another, you know, he wanted more than we had, but we we're like, okay, well, we'll try it for a year and let's see what happens. Um, and we had a lot of success um, for 
So that would have been about 2010 um, up until about 2014. And about 2014, the, the publicity started not working anymore. And what I, what I mean by that is we would get on you know, local television and in, in all these different cities, and we weren't seeing the response um, to people buying anymore. And so we, we held on until 2015, and then we stopped working with him. And, and what I tell people is when you have a story, um, a good story that's new and different, then publicity may be the way to go. None of it's definite. You could be just wasting, you know, your money. Don't do it if you don't, <laughs> if you can't afford to just let it all go. But once that story is no longer new and exciting, then it's not going to work. So if you have a, you know, something that a product. So for the reason I say that is by that point, you know, we'd had so much success, and and a lot of other people were were making goat milk soap, and it started to be at every farmer's market. You know, people now started to know what it was, and the story wasn't so new. So so publicity can work in the right certain conditions what are, i would love to, in the in this more successful days of working with a publicist tell us some of the exciting more exciting bits of exposure that you were able to get well um we were on the today show that was that was wonderful um they came out to our farm and filmed so we were kind of bummed that we didn't get to go to new york <laughs> and do that but um that was very exciting to be on that our favorite one we went out to california to be on the doctor's show and we had so much fun with that it was a great it was a great episode and we got to um stay in california for a week because it didn't air right away so we could we could take the children and do the san diego zoo and the ocean and all that sort of stuff um and then we did get to go to new York to do the Huckabee show. Um, and that was great. We spent about a week there doing the, um, with finishing with doing the Huckabee show and then rushing back. Cause that was airing very quickly. Um, and then we did like all sorts of, you know, just, just local news and in, in, in like so many cities across the, the United States. But, um, but those were, those were the favorite ones. Nice. Well, I would love for you to just take a moment and tell people what kind of of products you do offer and then tell them where they can get it before we talk, we transition and close out with the free the dream stuff. Yeah. So our farm is in Scottsburg, Indiana. Um, it's about half an hour north of Louisville, Kentucky. If you are um, driving anywhere near, you can come and you can see the goats. We have like baby goat experiences and tours. Um, and you can experience our sweet shop, which has all of our food. So it's got gelato, which is like ice cream and goat milk and chocolate milk and yogurt and fudge and caramel and toffee and um, all that sort of good stuff. And then if you're not able to come to the farm, then you can go online to our website, which is goatmilkstuff.com and get all the bath and body stuff. So that's all the goat milk soaps, the liquid soaps, the laundry soaps, lotions, lip balms, candles, all sorts of stuff like that is available on the website. Incredibly awesome stuff. Well, PJ, I, I tell you, I've always found your story to be inspiration, motiv inspirational, motivational. Your family dynamic as a result of your entrepreneurial journey is just incredibly awesome. And I'm super delighted to know that you're bringing all of this experience and all the things you've learned along the way to the Free the Dream audience as one of our speakers. Real quickly, can you just give folks just an idea if they come to this? No, wrong. When they come to Franklin, Tennessee, what are they going to hear from you? What, what, what's on your heart to share with them? Yeah, I'm super excited to to meet with everybody. You know, one of the things that I, I really want to communicate is that so many of us 
have this passion to be entrepreneurs, right? To start our own thing, um, to build something. And what I so often see is people sacrificing their marriages, sacrificing their relationship with their children. And I just really want people to understand that it doesn't have to be that way. You can follow your passion, be an entrepreneur, but still involve your family, whether they want to work in it directly or not, and just support you. And how to do that without, you know, by making the family stronger and not, you know, kind of tearing it apart because you're following the passion of your, of the entrepreneurial dream. Boy, I wish I would have known you in 2008. <laughs> Although well, <laughs> I, I, I know I, I say that in jest, you know, I've actually been listening back to the archives of pursuing a balanced life, the, my old podcast that I had, which was my audio journal. And you know what is I, I give myself a hard time because I, I, I talk about the fact that in the first year of doing my business, I worked 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week without taking a single day off for the first nine months. And, and if, if I think about that, that's really not a whole lot different than the, than the number of hours that you just said earlier that Jim worked. And, and, I, and the thing is, I complete, that's so, that was so long ago for me that I forgot just how much Stephanie and I were partnering together in this business and even how much we even included our kids. You know, PJ, I forgot I for, I completely forgot that number one, Megan had her own podcast for a very long time called the Hannah Montana Fan Podcast, which had over thirty eight thousand subscribers. I completely forgot about the fact that my son, I helped him start his own podcast called Gaming with Matt, and McKenna, she was just a little tiny thing at the time, and she, she and all three of my children together were a part of a podcast called The Kids Show. And it's like, wait a second. Yes, I did work an insane, crazy amount of hours. And yes, I did completely 100% neglect my health and fitness. But my family was never actually neglected at all. You know, and, and that's what's so so possible if we just give it a little bit of attention is to inspire our children and spend time with them while we're, we're following our dreams, right? Um, and that's that's the beauty of it. It is. Well, I am so looking forward to seeing you again in September if we don't see each other before then. And we are going to have an incredible weekend connecting with all of those folks who are listening to us right now who are, if they haven't already, if you have not done this already, folks, if you haven't got your ticket yet, go to free the dream.live free the dream.live right now and reserve your seat today. PJ, thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. Sounds good. You take care, Cliff. Hey, guys, real quick before I wrap up the end of the show here, I want to let you know, PJ, after we had our conversation, she texted me, and I'm going to read to you her text because she she was kicking herself for this. Uh, so check this out. She says, I'm mad at myself. I meant to say it's a lot harder making decisions when you have more money, but it's a lot more fun. Uh, but I did. She says I got distracted and I didn't finish that part. She says sorry. Other than that, it was a great talk. Super excited for the conference. So I just wanted to let you know. I it, and I heard that it's like oh my gosh because you know I, I wanted to, I wondered if if I should talk about that or because she she had said that you know hey it, it, it's th- making decisions about money can be more difficult and. And there's the concern I had was I wonder if people are going to say, well, yeah, that's exactly why I don't want to make a lot of money. 
But I think I think there's more to be said to this story. And, and I'm so glad that she actually felt that afterwards without me bringing anything up into the conversation. She's like, oh, man, wait a second. No, I, wa- I, I had more I was going to say after that, but I got distracted. I forgot. She goes, hey, listen, there are more decisions. There, you have more responsibility to make more decisions. Uh, and and those decisions can be difficult at times, and and sometimes it's easy not to have to. When you have no money, you have no decisions to make, and and so, but but she says, but here's the quote that she says. She goes, I meant to say this. If I if I would have not got distracted myself, I would have said this. It's a lot harder making decisions when you have more money, but it's a lot more fun. And so I'm glad that she she felt led to say, you know what, I wish I would have actually finished that thought because I don't want people to think that if you have lots of money, things just get harder and it's difficult and stuff like that. But the reality is, the truth is, is there are difficult decisions to be made when you do have a lot more money. But, and I love, she, she goes, but it's a lot more fun. And and so ah oh, I that that put my my any any unrest I had about how that kind of that, that little that little belief got just hung there in the air it's like I don't know if you felt it but I felt it but PJ felt it as well and she says I'm mad at myself I meant to say it's a lot harder making decisions when you have more money all right now we're going to close out the show Well, my friends, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. As I told you, I have some incredible speakers coming to Free the Dream. I only chose speakers that I knew for a fact had a passion and a zeal and a heart for helping you succeed in freeing the dream inside of you. I still have a few more speakers to introduce to you over the next several weeks. They're extremely exciting. In fact, just this, well, I'm not going to, well, I'm recording this right now on June 21st. If I'm not mistaken, this episode comes out a month from now, which is on July 20th. Uh, Certainly by then, if you follow me on social media, you know who's actually going to be doing my closing keynote. And I just got word today, but I'm not going to share that until after I have the final confirmation and everything all worked out, all the details worked out. But I've got one more speaker that's going to close out this event that I am so excited about. So head over to, like I said earlier, head over to freethedream.live and I will see you in Franklin, Tennessee. Freethedream.live.